Welcome to It's Our Turn. Welcome to It's Our Turn. Queers and cults. cults. Oh my God. My name is Emerson. My pronouns are he, they. My name is Tony. My pronouns are he, him. My name is Aiden, and my pronouns are they, them. We would like to acknowledge the original inhabitants of this area, the Weot tribe, and thank the past, present, and future stewards of this land. This land acknowledgement does not exist in the past tense. Colonialism is a current ongoing process, and we need to build the mindfulness of our present participation. We all should take action to support our local indigenous communities. Go to honortax.org to find out more about whose land you're on and how to support those tribes. In this show, we talk about religious and personal trauma. Our episodes often include subjects centering around manipulation, gaslighting, coercion, toxic masculinity, patriarchy, shame, guilt, brainwashing, emotional, mental, and physical abuse. If any of these topics are things you don't want to hear today, please feel free to skip this episode. Your mental health is always the top priority. Is it happening? Is it, is it real? Are we on? Are we live? I think so. I can hear your phone notifications. This is <laughs> so much. You know what? like went to Olive Garden <laughs> and it was me, my mom, my sister, my brother and you I came out of Olive Garden? That's the fucking gayest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I know! I don't understand how this radio thing works. Like, is it... I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely not. Welcome to It's Our Turn. Queers and Colts. Uh, my name is Aiden. Why don't know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> my pronouns are they, them. My name is Aiden also. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am Tony. Um, pronouns are he, him. Thank you for joining today on this beautiful... Thanks for being here, you all it's beautiful, a beautiful people. Beautiful day. It's so lovely out there. The rain's just so nice. I've never fresh. been so wet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I went to San Francisco Pride in 2015 <laughs> and I wasn't even this wet. <laughs> Atlanta Pride have nothing on, and I'm. <laughs> I spent three days with six different men, and I still was just much drier than I am right now. Oh hell! <laughs> this is the podcast the world needs. <laughs> whoever these, these two, Donna and Dolores, that we need Donna and Dolores right now. I, I think. You well, know? Dolores is more country. Oh yeah, she's a little more country. I don't know. I don't know who that is. I don't know who. I have a feeling that who I was just talking is actually me. And everything else, I'm cosplaying as someone yeah. else. <laughs> I'm cosplaying as this, like... Aiden's the real imposter. Yes, it's, I'm the Donna imposter. Is the... Yeah. <laughs> Donna's the... <laughs> someday, someday you're just going to show... I'm going to show up to the podcast, and I'm going to be wearing, like, brightly colored caftans, really cheap <laughs> costume jewelry. Like, my hair is going to be, like, all blue. With a casserole. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be, are you ready today? We're ready. Okay, let's do the podcast. I'm feeling lovely today. Yeah, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, it's it's. Um, you all are gonna be better off for it, honestly. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say something. I forgot what it was. So let's move on. Um, how we doing? Let's do a check in. How we doing? Great. How's wonderful. <laughs> so <fine>. lively. <laughs> <laughs> you feeling good today? Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well... My constant shaking is not anxiety. It's just... 
I'm excitement. <laughs> Detoxing. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> These aren't the shakes. This is just um, anxiety. <laughs> Speaking of anxiety, I started a new anxiety med recently, and let me tell you, <laughs> that mm-hmm. stuff is amazing. Barberfestin. Barberfestin. Yes, exactly. It's something I don't remember. It starts with a B. There's an R in there somewhere. There's um, an R in there somewhere. It's amazing. I did not realize that the constant impending, the constant feeling of impending doom is not normal. Quite. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you are not supposed to feel like everything's falling apart all the time, 24-7, and think that every single issue that you have is insurmountable. Some people listening are like, what? Yeah, I know. Seriously. I mean, I thought I was managing my... See, here's the thing. <laughs> that was significantly better than what my anxiety used to be. So, like, where my anxiety was at was I was like, this is pretty damn good. Like, I could probably live with this, and I probably will have to because this is has to be as good as it gets, you know? But apparently, <laughs> my good is actually really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like... Where my level of like, I can handle this anxiety, I could probably live with this, I know mm-hmm. how to manage it, still pretty fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's like still needs to be medicated. So, I don't know what Oops. I like. I have a feeling that a couple of years ago, I probably should have been institutionalized. And I am not saying that, <laughs> I'm saying that very sincerely. Yeah. Like, where I was, at, I don't think I should have been functioning mm-hmm. where I was at. Like, there should have been a lot more intervening going on <laughs> in my in my life you know i think that's i wonder if i think that's a common issue for people with the severity of trauma that we have because i remember reading a book um i've talked about it before cptsd from surviving to thriving by peter walker paul walker peter no paul peter walker i think um i'll look it up I can do that now. It's a computer. I'll do it in a second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this, you can also look it up. CPTSD from Surviving to Thriving by somebody, Walker. Um, they were talking about like what, what constitutes having CPTSD. And so they were like, so I remember reading the chapter and it was like, if you have suffered neglect, if you suffered abuse, if you suffered sexual assault, you know, from these ages, and it went through this whole list, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, I have, like, checked down the list, one, two, three, four, five, uh, 27, yep, got them, okay, I guess I I qualify as having CPTSD, and then the next line was like, if you suffer from any one of these, you have CPTSD, and I was like, oh, (laughs) I get 100%. <laughs> like, pass this test. I had all of them. Like, I experienced every single one of the things they mentioned. And they said that if you experience one of them, you have CPTSD. So I just don't think that I ever realized, like, my norm was so intense that I don't think I ever realized what bad is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or, like, what level unacceptable is or what level... Um, I think a lot of people don't realize, no. honestly, like their their emotions. Um, like some people, uh, c- certain people with a lot of anxiety or stress, um, and uh, CPS PTSD and stuff like that, uh, lash out in frustration. Where other people have depression. Mm-hmm. Where other, you know, kind of like m- depends on. But a lot of people don't realize that 
they're actually struggling. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, or to the extent, you know, like, I mean, how many times has someone said, well, everyone, like, everyone, you know, everyone has a little bit of depression. You know, like, everyone has, everyone, like, has those weekends where they don't get out of bed. No. No, they don't, actually. That's not a thing. You know, like, the, I don't remember what meme it was, where it's like, if someone said that, like, um, like, have you ever had thoughts of, like, some kind of, like, some kind of symptom of depression? You know, have, did you, have you ever, have you, are you experiencing this? And you're like, yeah, but who isn't? Or, like, or, yeah, yeah, of course you are, but don't you? And they were like, no, I don't. Like, it, like, some, like, if you are experiencing symptoms of depression, that's actually depression. That's, there's not, it's not a, you know, there's degrees of depression, you know, like, some people, I feel, have it in different levels of severity, or diff- people have different capacities in which to deal with it, or, like, in what they can deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe, you know, what for one person would just be, like, a, a pint of ice cream and a couple hours of crying could be a week in bed for someone else. So there's different capacities and different severities. But if you're experiencing it, that's not actually, like, like – that means you have depression. That that that's means that like that's not it's not normal to just have those things, you know, like crippling anxiety or severe depression or, you know, like thoughts that the world would be better off without you. Those aren't that's not just a part of life like we were told, you know. Mm-hmm. Just it's just a part of life. Ah, you everyone deals with it, you know. Do you, you know, I re- I've talked around the podcast about how I was married for five years when I was still Christian and straight, quote unquote. <coughs> and I remember going through like marriage classes by my pastors who they shouldn't have been teaching anything, but they should have been pastors. They should have been pastors, you know. <laughs> I know I, I wouldn't trust them to recommend a good coffee, you know, like, <laughs> um, but. They were talking about legitimately, they said the first two years of your marriage is going to be miserable and the first five Why? years are going to be challenging. And then after that, it'll get a lot better. And I'm like, five years? Five, five years is going to be miserable, is what you're telling me. Because you're going to fight, you're going to argue, you're going to blah, 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 blah. You're not talking about happiness. You're talking about giving up. After five years, when there's no other option, you just eventually fall into a rhythm of unhappiness and just accept yeah. that this is that's exactly what that hit. is. Yeah, that's what they teach us a healthy marriage. Legitimately, they were they weren't like even joking. It wasn't even like, oh yeah, the first two years is gonna be rough. Ha ha ha. They were like, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be horrible. Marriage is always horrible to start out with, and then eventually, after years, it will get better. I'm like. Maybe for You're like an arranged marriage, yeah. Like that's based. I mean, but if you think about it, most most marriages Christian in mar- Christianity, most Christian marriages are basically like not. I am not talking culturally, so I'm not comparing people who have free choice and make really bad decisions to actual arranged marriages from culture. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that there is so much pressure to get married, mm-hmm. and a lot of fundamental fundamentalist Christian, you know, toxic environments that they didn't really care who you married as long as you married someone, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was they were more like. And then there's this like uh, 
stigma or whatever to not get divorced. Like, you can't get divorced. That's so sinful. Oh, no, it's not an option. It's not an option at all. But the amount of times that marriage was used as, like, a, as like a um, fix-all, like a, ooh, if you just get married, you can't get divorced, so then you have to figure it out. I still will never forget my grandmother telling my mother, who was in an abusive relationship, uh, marriage. That she can't get a divorce, that she needs to work it out while she's getting physically abused. Yep. What? Yep. What do you mean? My my ex, um, we met and like a couple months later started dating. And in a year's span of time, we broke up three times. One at that third time was after getting engaged. We got engaged. Planned, started planning a wedding. I think we got engaged like six months in to our knowing each other, which to me now is baffling. It takes me six months to pick out a new pair of shoes. I can't imagine like being like, hi, stranger, and then six months later being like, let's get married. Me and Joey what? have known each other for seven or eight months now. And you would be, you'd be engaged right now if you were me at that or, time. Yeah, or some people married. I might my parents got married after like six months of knowing each yes, other. So, so did mine. My parents got six married. And look how they turned out. Yeah. That was a horrible <laughs> yeah, very bad situation. Um, but yeah, and then we got engaged, planned a wedding for like October, called off the wedding, and then got back together. And when we got back together, I asked for my pastor's wife's advice about it. And she said, I just think you need to stop worrying so much. Or stop, like, questioning so much, worrying so much, and just get back together. And then when we did, I asked my pastor how long we should stay engaged before we got married and, like, what we should do. Like, I was thinking, should we go to couples counseling? We should go to therapy. We should go to, like, maybe we should meet with them and talk to them and, like, um, because, okay, this is, there we go. That's better. Maybe we should talk to them and get some counseling because... We've broken up three times, so clearly there's something there. And his words, almost verbatim, were, you should only stay engaged long enough to plan a wedding no longer than a month. That was his advice to us. So their marriage is just a fix-all. It's just a, like, get married, start having kids, and then you lock yourself into something you can't get out of, you know? Because the worst thing you could possibly do is get divorced. Well, <laughs> challenge or, accepted. Because I got divorced and I'm fucking queer. <laughs> <laughs> so level me up. <laughs> also, to leave the church, that's a big no-no. Oh, leaving so, the church, yeah. Which makes sense. Like They want to get go ahead and get married, get locked in, the, don't leave the church. We need, we need your money. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If we lose this couple, this family, that's, that's a big cut from our... Dude, I... D- yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I just got overwhelmed with the memory. What do you remember? My pastor talking about the financial situation of people in our church to me. Like, because at one point, he told me, like, who was the highest tithing people in the church. Because at one point, me and my wife at the time were, th- like, like number two or number, number two, I think. The, like, the second largest tither in the church. And, and so he was literally, so that just, to me, I should have seen the fact that he viewed us as paychecks. Yeah. 
paychecks. You know, like he was uh, he was focused on how much money we were bringing in. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, at that time, let's just get into it. Let's just talk about personal things. It's not my life anymore. I haven't seen this much money since I don't fucking know when. So, <laughs> and because we because we got on this because you sent me a TikTok, which we, maybe we should play that or like play a little bit of it. You know, if we can find it online. Um, at that time, my wife and I's combined income was somewhere around $70,000 a year. Um, which that, let me, let me, let me get it on a calculator here. Let's just, let's just crunch some numbers here because you want to know what it's like. So divided by 12. So we were tithing our tithe was roughly between $5,500 and $6,000 a month. That was our 10% tithe, just us, to them. And Good God. Then, on top of that, we also... When you left, they had to file bankruptcy. <laughs> and we were the second yeah. highest tither, not the first. And I, my parents were a close third, to, to my understanding. And so... And then, and then on top of that, we gave a ten percent offering as well. So, so we were giving. We were giving. No, that can't be right. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Let me rephrase it. We were making around fifty eight hundred. I was like, that is not right. We were making around fifty eight hundred dollars a month, roughly. So we were tithing ten percent of that. Oh, okay. So we were giving between five hundred and six hundred dollars a month. That makes more sense. And then we tithe another 10% on top of that. So we are giving roughly $1,000 a month to the church. It's crazy. Um, and uh, and then there was someone was giving more than us. So let's say someone else was giving like between twelve and 1500 And then someone else was giving directly under us. So like around a, you know, $800 to $1,000 a month. So just, just, three just three families you got. Just three. Just three families. We've got, you know, like, what, $3,000 a month? We've got rent paid, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just three families. And we were a small church. And, um, yeah. And then that was that was just tithe. That wasn't – that was tithe and offering for us. That wasn't like, hey, we're putting on a Christmas play. Do you want to donate towards it? Hey, the kids are doing something. Do you want to donate towards it? Hey, we're having a potluck. Go buy food for us. You know, like, I think it would be safe to say that 30 to 40% of our income went to the church easily. You know, and then there was like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. And some people uh, would hear that and be like, well, they're a church. They, they have to survive through donations and and, uh, you know, the ministry of the Lord and is needs the money. And it's like or we're like Joyce Meyer has her. She lives in a mansion. mansion. Oh, Joel Olstein. Joel Olstein lives in like what a ten million dollar house. Whoa, like he's got money in his fucking walls in his church. Yeah, like built into. Literally, <laughs> it's. I just don't. <clears throat> to me, looking back on it now, it's like the amount of times that we heard, you know, that if you give, God will bless. If you give, God will bless. If you give, God will bless. And so there was this encouragement to continually give more and more and more. Um, and then God will bless you more and more. But 
that didn't happen. No. I made more money because I worked harder. I didn't, like, there was no, like, when I bought a car, like, a down payment didn't fall out of the sky. You know, like, we weren't, our, our, we weren't increasing. Like, th- things weren't getting better because of, like, divine intervention, you know? And that's what, looking back on it, I'm like, I, I just don't know how these people believed in this, you know, give to God and he will bless, give back tenfold. Mm-hmm. But your life's not improving. You're still financially struggling. You're still barely making it by. Yeah, it's the biggest fucking scam. It is a scam. It really like is. Like, these people are rolling in money. Yes. Rolling while, while you give every last penny that you have to these people. Yes. Who are have mansions and are in private jets and things that you can't even imagine, and you are struggling to buy food. Yet you're gonna give every last penny that you have to them, so that God will bless you. Based on what, like, <clears throat> so we were giving like, so we were giving twelve like twelve thousand dollars of our income a year was going toward because that's like what. Yeah, a thousand dollars a month was going towards tithe and offering times twelve. Twelve thousand dollars of our income was going towards the church a year. Um, we could have bought a house. You know, I'm glad we didn't, but we could have bought a house with one year of tithe and offering. You know, like we could have. If God is here's here's the thing. If God is so all powerful. And so incredible and so, you know, everything. Why does he need your money? He should be self-sufficient, right? (laughs) He can just provide everything the church needs so that you can actually keep all your money and you could actually, your life could actually improve. Yeah. There's no logic behind it. It's prosperity gospel. Fucking rich people taking poor people's money. Yeah. I, I just, to me, it just doesn't, I'm like... How do people and pretending that they're like doing um good things with the money? That's yeah. the other thing too. Is like you think that these ministries are just pouring out all this money you're giving to the to the needy and the poor and all that. No, how the hell does Joyce Meyer have a fucking mansion that big and land that big? And how does she so fucking wealthy? Um, she's keeping money for a lot of money for herself. Of course. Okay. Herself a very large income. And people are like, oh, it's from the books she writes. No, the fuck it is. No, not. Not the fuck it is. Unless you're fucking like, unless you're like, um, who's that? Stephen, Stephen King. Unless you're Stephen King, you're not buying mansions. And I don't think Stephen King has a mansion. So like, you're not, you don't make that money from being an author. I've heard many authors, many, f- I have read articles. Why did I do that? I'm not wearing glasses. Oh, I am wearing glasses. I don't know. I don't know. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> this, is, this is happening. You are currently unraveling. Yeah, I am unraveling. Um, I have heard, I've read articles about authors saying you don't make money from writing. You do it because you love it. Like it's not, it, it's a passion project. Like only the top authors are making money from mm-hmm. their books, you know? And even uh, um, other pastors and um evangelicals and all that those the rich motherfuckers that a lot of people don't know about like benny hinn mm-hmm. he's got a mansion mm-hmm. and private jet and he wears gold and mm-hmm. flaunts his wealth mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, but he, people believe that he's making that money from his book sales and like, nobody knows who this motherfucker is really. No. Yeah. Um, and like that one guy in Texas, I can't remember his name, but he was, he blatantly went on stage at his church and told everybody or was, was bragging about how big his house was and everybody applauded Yeah. as he's taking your money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, and he can do that. He can yeah. just go up there and laugh and say, oh, I'm so rich, I'm so wealthy, look at me, all this kind of stuff. And talk about his private jet and all this. And it's like, in front of your face. I wish that people could look at pastors and stuff like that as celebrities. And by that I mean, not that they should idolize them, but they should understand that they are exactly the same mm-hmm. as the Kardashians or you know the guy who owns yeah. Amazon or... They're just taking your money and living off of it, and they're not doing anything. You know, they're just the Christian versions of celebrities. They're, it's exactly the same situation, you know. Like the pastor that pastored our church, you know, me. I mean, granted, looking back now, like me and my wife, we were making almost like roughly around $70,000 a year. That's a lot of fucking money, and we could have managed it significantly better. But we were also giving 20% of our income to a church, and so and then we are living two car payments and rent and everything else off of you know eighty percent is not a lot. There doesn't leave much like our all of anything and everything that we would have saved for a house or anything was going towards the church. But we were like we couldn't afford to buy a house, and we couldn't afford to buy like nice cars or go traveling all the time at the at the time. Again, like I said, I recognize we are kind of mismanaging our money, but. While our pastor, our pastor's wife was driving a fucking SUV, and this was like, this was around between 2005 and 2010, roughly. She was driving an SUV, huge SUV, like can fit like eight people or something, you know, and he was driving a big like Ford F50, and that was, they had at least two, if not three cars. They were living in like a four bedroom, two or three bath house that they had like completely remodeled. And put add-ons on, like added on to it, mm-hmm. and we're traveling multiple times a year, one to two week vacations, and doing all this stuff, and none of us could afford to do that, you know. And I just don't, and we just always thought that he was just the, you know, like obviously he's so much closer to a man of God than we are mm-hmm. because he's doing so much better. Mm-hmm. Like that was. That was kind of the that's like, prosperity gospel. Yeah. That's they convince you that their wealth that they have is because God is blessing them. Yeah. When in fact they're stealing your money. Yeah. And then throwing it in your face while they do it, and then say, if you want to be like this, then first you have to, gotta believe and you gotta sow. You gotta sow that seed. Yep. And so give us, give us more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then nothing happens because that's not how it works. <laughs> It's not how it works, and I just, it's one of those where I'm like, it's so obvious once you're out of it. Yeah. You know, it's so obvious once you're out it's of it. It's super believable when you're in it. Well, I mean, yeah. like, you don't realize how gaslit you're being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. they're gaslighting Constantly. you. Constantly. I feel like that anybody that has been in any kind of, like, organized, toxic religion like that, like, has trauma. Like, some people are like, oh, well, mine was my experience wasn't so bad. It's like, no, 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 no. 
you may not feel it as severe. You may not have experienced, you know, you may not have had dealt with that. And then also like sexual assault or domestic violence or any of these other things that like, that like I've gone through. Um, but you've been gaslit. You've been lied to. You've been manipulated. You've, you know, had money stolen from you. Like you've experienced quite a bit of abuse. Um, and now I know that I'm not saying all religions are like that, but I'm talking about like our experiences, like the, the type of religion mm-hmm. and organizations that we um, experience. Like you, you have trauma that you need to process. Mm-hmm. You have trust issues. You have a skewed view of what a relationship looks like. You don't know how to manage your money properly. You think that people in those positions are helping you when they're actually taking advantage. Like you don't know how to see red flags, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you got to work through if you're coming out of that environment. Yeah. And it it just, anybody that wants my money, one of the things I learned, especially coming out of church, anybody that wants my money, um, I don't trust them almost immediately. (laughs) You know, like, like, uh, like unless you're uh, like, besides like, my car payment and my, you know, rent. And even then, I don't trust them anymore. Right. <laughs> but, like, anybody that wants money from me for any fucking reason, I immediately do not trust them. And I want to know why and how and where it's going. And I want to see, every, you know, I want to see everything, you know. And and that's the thing, too. Like, I've worked for, I've, 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 I've worked for, I've volunteered for, I've been involved in several nonprofits. And... And I'm not saying any of the ones I did or didn't do this. I'm not commenting on them. I'm making a generalized statement about how it should be, if that makes sense. Um, Because I recently worked for a nonprofit, and so I'm not speaking about that one, (laughs) you know. Um, But just having this experience, one of the things I would say is that if you are involved in, like, any kind of profit, like, nonprofit organization, or you're wanting to volunteer or donate towards a nonprofit organization, ask to see their financial records. You can do that. Um, if if all nonprofits are required by law, s- certain ones, there are certain types of nonprofits, um, but the full nonprofits, the ones that are only funded by grants and community, you know, fundraising and stuff, like most of them are required to be able to produce their financial records um, at all times. Mm. Um, uh, they have to be able to prove where they got the money, where it went down to the dollar. Like we're not just talking like, oh yeah, we, you know, like a, a percentage of our income went towards office supplies. No, it's like our grants funded $5,000 for office supplies for the year and we spent $4,899 on them and here are the receipts for that. You know, like a thousand went to Target, 1200 went to Costco. Like it like they have to be able to prove it. And if the point of that is, is that if you are involved in a religious organization or you want to start going to a, to a church and you want to start, ask to talk to them about their finances. They're a nonprofit. So ask them, hey, I would love to see what your finances are, where, where it's going, what are, what are you spending it on? And if they won't, because our pastor fucking wouldn't, our pastor talked about how finances should be private and he didn't want anyone to know what his what Yeah, because he was abusing it. Exactly. And uh, one of the things I went to when I left um, Gospel Lighthouse, which was the name of the church um, that I grew up in, when I left there, I started going to Faith Center. And one of the things that they do every year 
and th- and there is like a, and this is a weird thing that churches do where like they have memberships if you tithe you're a member mm-hmm. you know mm, yeah and if you're not if you don't tithe then you're not a member and i get the concept but whatever they once a year they have and i'm pretty sure you can ask them anytime during the year but once a year they have an event have a night where any member can go and sit and then the bookkeeper goes over the entire um uh financial situation so they will they will go over a spreadsheet with you and be like this is how much money came in this percentage of it was from tithe this percentage was offerings this percentage was whatever here's you know here's the pastor's salary here's how much the pastor makes here's how much we pay staff here like they mm-hmm. they will break down to and they will explain where every single dollar went and uh that's that's the kind of accountability that and if 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 an organization a church is not willing to have that level of accountability don't trust them mm-hmm. at all do not give them your money <laughs> mm-hmm. at all yeah because they are not they are not trustworthy yeah it just it baffles me it absolutely baffles me it's so disappointing too like Like, remember the 700 Club? Oh, God. I do remember the 700 Club. What? Oh, what's his name? Oh, praise the Lord. What's his name? Died. I know. That one old guy. <laughs> that God. he was a terrible, horrible, terrible person. Transphobic. Racist. Racist. Openly. Yeah. Like, he would openly. openly say terrible shit, and they'd just be like, huh. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what do you mean, huh? Yeah. Accountability people, like, I don't, like, what? People should be accountable for the words they say. <laughs> I don't care that he's All fucking 112. No. <laughs> Age is not an excuse. Pat, was it Pat Robertson? Pat Robertson, yeah. God. Hold people accountable for what they say. I swear to God, every time you turn on the 700 Club, it's, it's, uh, all, it's all prosperity gospel. Like, it's... Yeah. Some person claimed. I remember one time getting on there, and there was this this couple. It was a pastor and his wife, or whatever. Um, and you could just tell they were they were pompous, you know, egotistical. Anyway, they were talking about how one day they they sowed a seed into they gave on money, a big chunk of money with and with faith to the Lord, and then the next thing you know, their wallet was being filled with cash supernaturally. That's like, like it was just coming out of, like it was so crazy and all this, and they convinced everybody. And then of course it was, if you want this blessing, give us money. And it's do like, wanna, yeah, do you want a big blessing or a small? Blessing? <laughs> Such a scam. The, 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 the level one blessing package or the level two blessing package. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're if you're fucking if your blessing has a subscription option. That is not a blessing. That's a service that you are paying for. Yeah. That is that it, you're paying for TV. You're paying. You're just paying someone's salary. That's what you're doing. You're paying someone's salary. And it doesn't make God look good. No. It doesn't make God look good that you have to. You gotta give the all this money and. Why? Why does God, the all natural being who created the universe, need your money to create money? He doesn't care about like even if if he does exist. He don't fucking care about your, that. What are you gonna do with your money? <laughs> your money is like, it's it's for you. That's yours. You should be using it for you. That's the point. God doesn't need it. I like the idea of uh, 
what's it when people people who tithe a lot and they're just wait, still waiting for their blessings like why am i not being blessed blah 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 but they're giving so much money and god's yeah. like but i gave you that money that you're giving away yeah. i gave you the money keep it yeah <laughs> feed yourself exactly. feed your kids <laughs> stop like that like that story of the 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 that woman who her her neighborhood flooded her town flooded and so she crawled up on the roof and prayed for god to save her and a boat came along oh yeah. and was like and said Hey, I'm, 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 you know, I'm coming to, I, I'll, I'll pick you up. Just get in the boat and I'll take you to safety. No, 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 no. God's going to provide. And so that, <laughs> and then another boat comes along. Get in, get in, get in. I'll take you to safety. No, no, no. God will provide. God's going to provide. And then they leave. And then a helicopter comes. We're here to rescue you, ma'am. No, no, no. God will provide. And then the flood ends up coming and she drowns and dies and goes to heaven. And it's like, why didn't you provide? And he's like, I sent two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> like, yeah. how, like, like. That's what I feel like the hiding is, is like, God, why yeah. why haven't you blessed me? Why, why You're giving 20% of your yeah, fucking income. You're giving 20% of your income to someone who doesn't need it. Like, they can get a job if they want. They can get the same job that you got if they want to pay their bills, you know? Like, I like the idea of, even when I was a Christian, I stopped tithing um, at a certain point because my brain, I guess, or my, the way I thought about it shifted. And my new thing was that um, instead of tithing 10%, which is just, there's no heart in that, um, give to people directly who need it, um, and then with intention. Like, that's, like, if you want to tithe, do it, do it in a way, don't give money to your church, like, go out and, like, give to, give to an organization that, like, yeah. actually is known to help people, or, or help your neighbor who might be struggling, or... Yeah, I heard I heard tithing described in a, by someone I remember who in a really good way where they were like tithing doesn't always have to be money, like if you like if you if your heart is to give back to to God or to His or whatever, then maybe time's the only thing you have. So give ten percent of your time, you know, to God if you want, you know, ten um, percent of your effort, maybe ten percent of your food if you have extra food. Like tithing can be whatever you want it to be. It does like. It's not just about money, you know, and that. But it is for the. It is for the people who just want money. Who are stealing it (laughs) from everybody. And and you know what? Years ago, like the point of tithing was so that the pastor, like I know that they say that the point of tithing, the ten percent, is what we were taught is that that basically pays the pastor's salary, so he doesn't have to work and he can focus hundred percent of his time on the church. Well. I don't think that's necessary. I don't. <laughs> you know, like maybe if I didn't give 10% of my income to you and you just got a job like us, I'd be more willing to give an extra 10% of my time to this organization to take some of the load off of you so you can go to work for 40 hours a week like the rest of us. Yeah. Like you instead know? of having a pastor, maybe have several, uh, uh, like a maybe have a board, a board, a committee, a committee. <laughs> just the people, a you commune. know. Wait, that's a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody like you know, they take turns speaking and talking and doing, yeah. taking uh, different parts of the organization into their you know, hands, whatever. Maybe you have four pastors so that you only have to preach one time a week. Some churches do that. I know. I think that's smart. Yeah. Because then it's like you don't. You're not taking. Yeah. You're not giving to people if you're taking from them first. Plus, it's this weird hierarchy, you know. Like... Yeah, the hierarchy. 
the structure, the hierarchy of like of like churches and like the staff and all of that. It was so fucking like egotistical. Oh yeah, you had like the uh, gold star families and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the lesser thans. <laughs> that's the thing is that my family was like one of the gold star families, mm-hmm. and now looking back on it, I was like, that's so gross. Like, not now. Like my grandparent, my mom, my mom's parents, my grandparents, they like helped build the church or helped start it. They were good people. <clears throat> and and you know they like they were the type of people that like they bought extra food when we went shopping because they knew they were going to be feeding people and if you didn't have a place to go for Christmas you came over to you know you came over to grandma's house the whole church called her grandma you know people often that didn't have any place to go lived with them you know she'd at times she'd have like someone in her spare room and then someone out in the trailer you know out in her her RV you know their RV living there like th- it was very common our entire life that's how it was you know there's mm-hmm. 20 or 30 people at thanksgiving or christmas because half the church came over you know so they were good people and so like they deserved the respect you know that they got they worked hard they gave to people they gave back to the church and stuff but like my dad was the assistant pastor and we my mom was you know there my mom i was related to you know your mom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my mom was the daughter of my grandparents, obviously, who were the people who helped fund, like, found the church. So there was, like, that. So we were, like, we were considered, like, gold star people, you know, in our mm-hmm. church. And it's so silly. It's mm-hmm. so silly, you know. But it gets to you. It Like, it, it feeds that ego. It feeds that part of you that wants to be accepted and validated in a way that's not healthy. Yeah. You know? My dad was the drummer, and my mom was involved in every fucking thing. Yeah. Every goddamn thing. And, like, we were... If people saw us on the on the creepy fucking family picture board, mm-hmm. where we all have our pictures taken in the church or as families, and that's all gets posted. Uh, anyway, yeah. they would see us be like, oh, look at that beautiful family and all this. It was so, like, but as soon as we get in the car, as soon as we get in the car and get out of church it's like a completely fucking different world like we it was so fake (laughs) so fake it's so fake and it's the yeah the structure is so incredibly toxic it doesn't it's just it's so weird it's so it's so weird if you broke down if you broke down the church in a way that like it was a business if it was a business you broke it down in that way doesn't make sense hmm. you know if you broke it down in like uh, a way of it being like a uh, an effective organization planning team you know or not it's like it, it's not effective it only if you look at the structure take the religion out of it take the spirituality out of it take the Jesus aspect out of it and just look at it as a functioning organization it it does not function well that it, is not it is not set up for longevity for anybody but the person people who are directly benefiting it almost looks like a cult but that is a good time for a break so let's play, play oh testing one five five six sorry Rihanna. that's not Rihanna. It's sorry. Do you believe in love? 
Let's talk about Cher. <laughs> I just saw a video this morning of Miley Cyrus singing Cher for Pride or something. Oh, that's amazing. Sing that song, actually. I love that. Uh, God, that song, Believe, that's like, that was like one of my career awakenings. I remember when that song came out. Oh, oh. You remember I loved that? It. Yeah, of course. I was, I was a teenager. How old are you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Very old. I'm not that old, but. Oh, I remember too. I know. Yeah, you were just a wee baby. Your mom played it for you when you were first. <laughs> <laughs> when did that song come out? What? What year? What year did that? I want to know. It was, that was a '90s song, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was in early 2000s. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, I don't know exactly when. Oh, 19, oh, it was a 90s song. 1998. Wow. I was 23, 23. I was 15. I was two. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I was just a wee lad. <laughs> <laughs> the wee baby. Baby. Small baby. I still play, um, th- it's called This Kiss by, is this it? This Kiss, This Kiss. Is that Shania Twain or is that? No, it's not Shania Twain. Wash your mouth. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's uh, Faith Hill. Ah, uh, yeah. Very bad. Faith Hill. God. Sometimes oh. I get the two mixed up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> God. For some reason. That no, that's not understandable at all. <laughs> I can't even think of a reference that's appropriate because that's so they're so not the same. It's offensive. I like Faith Hill's husband. Tim Growl, Timmy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ew. Ew. I know. Country doesn't do anything for me. He does. <laughs> I, that's like, no, I don't like country. I like him personally. Sorry, Joey, if you're listening. <laughs> but it's Tim McGraw. <laughs> Everyone's got to have their, like, celebrities, you know? Like, if, Celebrity crush. If, Tim, if Timothy Shalom may walk in the door right now, I don't care if I had been married for 20 years. I'd be like, yes, it is on. <laughs> this podcast's over. Clear the table. Oh my God. We are. <laughs> it is all on. I heard he's an asshole now, though. So oh, bummer. Sad. Well, I mean, he's dating Kylie Jenner, so. Is he? You can't. You can't love yourself if you're dating <laughs> Kardashians, you know. That's a bad business transaction. Yeah. 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 It's not. It's, it's a bad investment. It, yeah, it's a for bad your, for your future. For your, and your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what that's that. I don't know where I don't know how we got there, but let's talk about Harry Styles. Oh. <laughs> and how You know what I would like to talk about? And this doesn't have anything to do with religion, but go ahead, finish what you were saying. Harry Styles is fucking what's his name? Who? No, they're not. Oh, wait. The other guy from uh, One Direction? Yeah. Liam or something? Oh, yeah. They've been fucking. you kidding me? Yeah. You've seen all these. I, uh, there's like, you can go on TikTok. It's called Larry TikTok. Um, but like, they show, like, like they were, they were, moments. they were fucking. There's, there ain't no way. Yeah. And Liam was protective over him. Like, people who touched Harry, he got, like, got mad. Yeah. So I was like, hmm. Well, so here's the thing, though. Here's, I have, I have, I have opinions. so i there was an article posted an article someone did one of the i don't know buzzfeed or one of those it wasn't buzzfeed but it was one of those that was talking about like um taylor swift's sexuality you know like 
oh, she blinked twice one time at a concert, and that's a lesbian signal for some. And I'm not joking. It was something like that. Like, she would, like, curled her hair a certain way or had, like, a... Something. Well, that's a bit extreme. Yeah. And that's some... Like, back in the 70s, that was a sign. You know, because back in, the like, the 50s and 60s and, up, you know, up until the 60s, up until Stonewall, um, it was illegal to be gay. So you weren't allowed to, like... You didn't admit it. You weren't allowed to, like, meet up with your partner in... Well, the, in the celebrity world, it's still... It's still very much like that. Like, if you, like coming out as queer... Is a big deal. Is yeah. could hurt your... Or ruin, ruin your, your career, quote yeah. unquote, Which is bullshit. Um, and so, you know, she's... Oh, back in the 70s, doing this one thing meant that you were a lesbian. So Taylor Swift is secretly a lesbian or something. And it's... Like, I understand wanting celebrities to represent you, who you are. Like, everyone wants that. And I understand um, wanting celebrities to, you know, be free enough to be who, who they are. But we're taking it to the extreme. And I think we're, I think, like, not, I'm not including myself in this, but I think that the queer community is causing the exact problem they're trying to solve a lot of times by focusing so much on like trying to f like label people first of all i don't think you should ever label someone else period full sentence like done period you should not be labeling someone else you should not be trying to figure out someone else's um uh, sexuality you should be competent in your own create safe spaces Make sure that everybody knows that you are a person they can be themselves and authentic with. And that is where your responsibility ends. <laughs> it is not your job to decide for someone else, to figure it out, to... I mean, it's fun to observe it and watch it. And, you know, of course, like, you know, on TikTok and stuff like that. But well, there was a celebrity that was outed recently. It was... Uh, Who? It was the, um, the guy from Heartstopper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... uh I can't think of his name now, of course. Yeah, but he... Joe, I know Joe Locke and then what's He that? got, like, upset about people harassing him so much because uh, he came out as bisexual. Mm -hmm. And he was like... But he did it in a way that was like, here, fine. Yeah. Like, so y'all are doing what... Mm -hmm. Like, you literally watch a show and you're doing what is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember that because he, he, he was bombarded so intently so intensely that he got off of Twitter and then he kept getting so accused of queer baiting like in like bad he was being harassed online and being accused of queer baiting mm. because his sexuality wasn't public so he finally like went back on back on Twitter to make one one tweet that said fine I'm bisexual like I'm bisexual I think you guys need to watch the show again because you're not getting it and yeah I like, got back off of Twitter mm -hmm. and that's the kind of shit that I'm talking about that's bullshit no one should feel forced to um, to come out just to be, you know, because people are, are otherwise they're going to be harassed. Them, That's yeah. bullshit. Like, you, let me tell you something that may seem really, really, really like like big news to you. Someone else's sexuality is none of your fucking business. Period. Who they're dating, who they're fucking, who they're married to. Is none of your business if they don't want to discuss it. There is no situation 
in which someone is obligated to talk about their sex life with you. Mm -hmm. If they would like, like being queer is something that I find very uh, positive about my personality and, and it is something I'm proud of and I enjoy, I enjoy being queer and I enjoy what that means. I enjoy, I, I enjoy that. And I'm, I make that part of who I am. Um, but if I did not want to, there, there, I don't. There's no obligation for that, and I think that trying to figure out and read between the lines and make up all these scenarios and decide for yourself that you've decided someone else is queer, I think it's actually keeping a lot of several celebrities in the closet because it would make such a big deal on both sides. It would becomes it's become such a thing that they don't want to talk about it. You know, a musical artist who has worked their entire life on being recognized for their music. Now, all of a sudden, if they talk about them being bisexual, fuck their music. The only thing they're going to be known for is being bisexual and hot. And it's like, well, I also make music that I'm really proud of. You know, like we've just reduced everything down to a sexuality. Like that's only one part of what makes people who they are. Mm hmm. It's it's wonderful, and it's proud, and, and it, it, it should be celebrated. But it's not the only thing that people are. And I think we've really looped back into, like, kind of like a, a, an unhealthy obsession with sexuality. Because, we, you know, it's like you want to you wanna watch a show that you're really, really interested in. Some new fan, like, I love fantasy you know, fiction, uh, some new fantasy show comes out. And instead of, like, looking at what it's about or whether or not I'm interested in it, I look up whether it has gay characters in it. And then I base whether or not I want to watch it off of that. And, and let me preface this by saying I think representation should be in every single fucking show. And that is really, realistically, that's fundamentally why I look these things up. It's because I, I don't want to really support shows that intentionally don't have representation. I do not want to watch a show about anything. Every Hallmark movie ever. Yes. <laughs> only has white people in it. <laughs> yeah, I straight don't want people. to watch that show. That's not reality. That's not what the world looks like. Only straight people, only white people? No, thank you. That's not what this world looks like. And I do not want to watch a show that like, encourages the idea that that's what the world looks like. No, thank you. I think representation, but I think it should just be weaved into the world. I think there should be gay characters in a show that's not about gay people because gay people are everywhere. You know, like mm -hmm. I think there should just be representation in shows, but I don't think that only sexuality and should be a deciding factor on whether or not you appreciate anything. Read the book you want to read. So what if it's not a queer book? Read it. Do you love it? Is it entertaining? Is it good? Is it not problematic? I'm reading a I'm reading a fantasy book right now that I fucking love. It's so good. The main it's it's a it's a it's a you know predominantly heterosexual romance, but there is queerness built into it as it's part of the world that they're building because that's how queerness works. You know, it's just part of their world, and it's not it's not like focused on because that's not the point. Of the book. The point of the story is the fantasy storyline. So they're not going to interject queerness because 
they want to mark off their diversity points, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and I think we're actually kind of like, I think we're kind of like creating, ironically, I think a lot of times we can actually create a space that doesn't feel safe for people who are queer to be authentic because they're so obsessed about it. Mm. People are so obsessed about it, you know? Makes sense. You see what I'm saying? You know, mm -hmm. like if you, if you're a, if you're a queer person, if you're a trans person and you're, you have a fucking master's degree in psychology and you've, you know, ha written all these books and texts and had all these things published and changed all these people's life. Like, do you want to only be known for being a trans person? No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, if you're, a, if you're, a, if you're a gay man or if you're a gay woman or a queer, if you're an, uh, I'm a non-binary person. Like, if everything I've accomplished in my life is summed up to like, oh, well, they were non-binary, so that's what made them special. No, that's not what made them special. <laughs> that's not what makes me special, that I'm non-binary. It's one of the many fucking things that makes me a goddamn amazing person. <laughs> but it's only one of many. <laughs> simply a contributing factor. It's simply a contributing factor. Exactly. <laughs> of my greatness. Yes, exactly. And I think there's a difference between celebrating something about yourself and like making it the only thing that matters that it, there is a big difference between that celebrate it be proud that you're whatever you are be proud of it you know um but don't make sexuality or gender preference or expression like an entirely deciding factor on whether or not someone has value mm -hmm. that's unhealthy thinking that's not going to benefit anyone, you know. Um, you can go, you can go to a pride parade and celebrate and be fucking ecstatic and have rainbow glitter coming out of your ass, and then go to work Monday and not talk about who you fucked over the weekend. Mm -hmm. That's a very normal adult thing to do, you know. I mean, if you want to talk about who you fucked over the weekend and you are talking to a consenting adult that's interested in hearing that, great for you. Good for you. Do that. I'm not saying that sexuality should be shamed or kept quiet. I'm saying I think that sometimes we forget the authenticity. Authenticity means being who you are, not what is portrayed as that person. So if you're a conservative, I'm mean, by conservative, I mean like you don't like to talk about your personal life. Like you're more of a quiet, con like you're more conservative about your personal life. Mm -hmm. Being authentic is being that. It's not like, oh, well, I'm a gay man and, or I'm a queer woman or I'm a non-binary, you know, a, a gay non-binary person. And I don't like talking about my sex life, but I'm gay, so I kind of have to because that's what you do, right? No. No, 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 no. Being authentic means being who you are and being proud of that. And that's okay. So there's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's. It's kind of like the idea of, uh, well, putting queer people in a box. Like people telling me because my fashion isn't a certain way or I don't present myself a certain way I must not be that gay or yeah. whatever and it's yeah, like yeah. no I'm very gay yeah I don't but gay people look different <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> every gay person's different there's not like a weird 
like the stigma of one I don't know, like a gay person should talk like this, should act like this, should do this, dress like that. Why? What yeah. That's not that is that 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 is fashion. That is a fashion. <laughs> that's statement. personality, that's whatever, that's a whole bunch of things and uh, yeah. But gay people can look like Joe. Yes. On his couch playing video games in his sweatpants and Yeah. That could be gay. Or it can be <laughs> or it can be like or it can be like Steven who, you know, puts on, you know, dirty boots and goes and hikes and chops down trees and my you know, brother spits. doesn't. You he know doesn't what I'm saying? Tro- he doesn't chop down trees. Oh, Steve. Uh, well, my brother's name is Steve. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of just like my brother guy. doesn't chop. <laughs> Your brother's also not gay, so he can do whatever he wants. He's not gay. <laughs> yeah. We're not talking about him. <laughs> this is not his story. <laughs> <laughs> this is not his story. Yeah, I know. I just. It's ironic to me that we're like, oh, you know, clothing doesn't have gender, but if you're gay, you have to wear these things. Okay, clothing doesn't have gender or expression. It's for everyone, but you have to be this to wear that. You know, like people getting so upset that like Harry Styles was on vote. And I get, I get, there's, I get, there's nuances. Don't get me wrong. I get there's nuances. I do get that. Like, um, Billy Porter talked about how the fact that like men wearing dresses is not new for the queer community, but yet a straight man a straight white man in fact instead of like these queer people of color who have started the movement and have been wearing dresses since the beginning of time you know i understand that but i believe in femininity is a real thing yeah and that's the point i'm making is that like i get the nuance of if you're if vogue is going to put if the first person the first male presenting male identifying person to wear a dress on the cover of a magazine should not be like a straight white man i get that and I agree with that. However, that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that, like, is that, like, if Harry Styles wants to wear Harry Styles wants to wear dresses, because that's what he feels comfortable in. It doesn't fucking mean anything. Yeah. It's clothing. Yeah. You know, like, nothing means anything. Like, 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 let people do whatever the fuck they want so they can be happy. Uh, ironically. You know, you're talking so much about authenticity that you're creating categories to fit people in so they can be authentic. Mm -hmm. Let people do whatever the fuck they want. Stop trying to figure them out. (sighs) There. There, I said it. it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in Alabama. Holy shit, the amount of looks you get just for wearing nail polish. Like as a. As a male presenting person, you got nail polish. Oh my god, it's the end of the fucking world. And it's like, suck my dick. Yeah. Everybody line up Please, and blow right me. Because 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 I'm I am so over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jesus. I want to like I have noticed. I have a lot of like hangups, and you know, learning recently, you know, to what degree I'm neurodivergent and on you know, on the spectrum definitely changes my view of how I understand things. But that being said, so I understand there's, like I said, a little bit more nuance. But for me, growing up with a man who hated femininity in any way and forced me to not participate in any of it, 
mm-hmm. and then coming out and having those deep-rooted fears of femininity, but also hating what was told to me was masculinity, created this, like, I don't, like, I want to be like you, so I'm, I want to try to go in the opposite direction. But I still have this weird apprehension of femininity because of you. So I don't know where to end up. So nothing feels right or good or comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a really difficult thing to untangle. But I feel like if there was more just like if I could put on eyeliner and it didn't mean anything, if I could wear a dress and nobody fucking cared, you know, if I could do these things without having a predetermined meaning, it would make that those transitions a little bit easier. It would make those, I think that we would have more, um, I think we'd have more men wearing dresses. I think more people would probably, I genuinely think that more people would end up beyond the, the, um, binary. Like the, I think more people would live their lives beyond the binary. If every single fucking thing didn't mean something, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you if people could just exist without being questioned or categorized could you imagine i think this world would look very very different it would <coughs> and uh, and uh, and people are to blame on both sides honestly you know Th- like these queer people like i i have the irony the irony of be being a person and i bet you've experienced this too being a person who's really being a person who was raised in a cult Mm -hmm. you recognize the signs immediately you recognize what that that like uh manipulation gaslighting you know like the 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 coercion how what that looks like the judgment the hierarchy the egos Mm mm-hmm the irony of coming out of that environment and coming into a career environment and seeing people do the exact same fucking thing, but they think they're right because they're mm. queer. Mm. So they're excluding certain people. You're not gay enough, so you can't come to this event. Mm. And you're not queer enough, so you can't come to this event. And if you're going to be queer, you have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do this, you have to show up to this event. And you have to give your money to this thing. And you have to pour yourself into this thing because I have decided that I'm the authority on what queerness looks like mm. and you do not fit it. So really goes to show that ego's ego. Ego's ego. On uh, anywhere it is. It, yeah. And it, it's just as ugly. <laughs> it's just as ugly. And that's the point I'm making is fucking check yourself. People like don't bring those toxic traits into your, into, into your authenticity. Don't bring the, and th- and I, I I'm circling around to a point that I was going to make a while ago, which is when I came out of the church, I thought that when I left that lifestyle, I would leave everything behind, kind of like a leave it at the door kind of situation. Mm-hmm. You don't. Mm-mm. You you take those toxic traits. Those toxic traits have to be undone. Yeah. And if they're not undone actively, you will take them into your next stage of life. You will take them into your queerness. You will take them into your hoe face. You will take them <laughs> into your new life, your new you, your new relationship, your new ev- anything. You will take those toxic traits into that next phase if you do not actively start working on undoing them. Yeah. 
And just because you come out as gay, just because you come out as queer, does not mean that all of that other toxicity just dissolved away. Mm-mm. You know? In fact, usually coming out, after growing up in such a situation, coming out is extremely difficult. Like, afterwards. Yes. Like, you start, like, all that trauma and all that stuff kind of boils over in a way. It did for me, anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but it was... Oh, 100% same thing for me. It was not butterflies and rainbows right. <laughs> after coming like out. the opposite. Yeah. You know, there's that, like... It's like a vacation, you know. You're at this. You're on this super high for like five to seven days, and then, um, no, sorry, I got distracted. You're at on this super high for five to seven days, and then there's this vacuum of like, oh, the good feeling's gone. Now I just have to live my life, and you go right back to those problems. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with them, and it's it, now it's harder because you know you don't have as much of a support system you're navigating a new life yep. at a stage you're not supposed to be navigating it you're you know you have like all the toxicity and the trauma from the church but now you have all of this other stuff to unpack and and it's really you got people passing judgment on you left and right like there's a lot of there's a lot of things you come out of a church one of the experiences i had that really to this day bothers me and and my friends knew it but I would say I hate I hated the term baby gay I fucking hated that term I hated when people called me a baby gay I hated when people told me that I would like you're just so new to being gay you'll figure it out fucking shut the fuck up (laughs) I hated that statement so much because I'm like it's not a fucking this isn't college it's not a class you don't learn how to be gay you just are gay you learn how to accept yourself you Mm -hmm. learn how to live within the authenticity but you still are who you are at that stage. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I came from an environment in a church where everyone told me exactly how to be. Then I came out as gay and went right into an, an environment where everyone told me exactly how I was supposed to be. Well, now you gotta, now you got to walk like this. And you got to talk like this. you got to listen to this music. And you got to wear these things. Now you got to do drag. Now you got to do this. Now you got to be an activist. Now you got to, you know, take care of this. you got to do that. you got to do this. you got to do this. This is how, oh, you're gay, you're a gay man in your 30s, this is how you're supposed to be. Oh, you know, like, oh, you, you think you might be trans, cool, then this is what you gotta be. Think me not, not, this is what you gotta be then. And it was just like, st- no, n- like, stop. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> stop telling me what I need to do. Just let me do what I'm doing. Encourage me to get help, encourage me to love myself, encourage me to find my authenticity, encourage me to try new things. And then let me let me go through that discovery, you know. Mm-hmm. If I'm being an asshole, call me on it, because that's a lot. That's a big part of undoing toxic traits. Is sure is. Your bullshit, you know. But don't tell me what I need to be doing and how I need to be doing it, and what it should be, you know. We don't. We don't. Have, we don't have time for that. We know. We don't. <laughs> I literally don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I am. I I am 40 years old, and I feel like I'm just starting to figure out who I am. Yeah, I'm just I'm just starting the process at 40 years old, you know, because I spent 30 years being told who I was as a Christian, straight white man. And then now I'm like, which white didn't really have anything to do with it. Well, I mean, it did as far as privilege. But I mean, like I was being told (laughs) being white was just assumed as in the sense that that privilege was just everywhere because there was only white people in our church. Um, But I was being told how to be a straight Christian man. And then I, then I was being told how to be a queer, gay man, 
and there was I didn't feel like there was a ton of time of just like cool you're out now who are you what do you like do you like to paint do you like to play video games do you like to what do you like to do what kind of music do you like to listen to do you want to like do you want to discover new music like there was no just like sweet live your life here's some books you know <laughs> it was just okay here's the here's the lineup gotta do gotta do yep yeah here's the checklist get, start get working on it yeah it's it's that's that's a process that i wish would would stop i wish that um as a queer person there would be less pressure to like do and there would just be encouragement to be you know? mm -hmm. yeah there's also a stigma in alabama the specific stigma of uh queer people first of all in alabama there's only gay and lesbian yeah, like they don't exist. like yeah. <laughs> um and uh and there's barely that yeah barely <laughs> and um but this there's a stigma around uh queer people being just all of them being like addicted to sex and like will do anything yeah. with anybody at any time and like it got scary it got yes. scary sometimes because people these straight men quote straight um would harass you because they're trying to get some they're trying to get some, but they're literally harassing you, and you yeah. feel you're just threatened. They're closeted. They want their dick sucked. And you're gay, so you'll suck any dick, right? It's a dick, right? You mm -hmm. just like dick. That was like, like, I hated that so much. I hated that so much. Especially now, like, I'm like, I think I'm on the asexual spectrum, because sex isn't really a priority for me. Um, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, but it's not like, it's by far not the at the top of the list by any means. Mm -hmm. um, but that whole like thought process is like, oh, gay people don't have standards. They just desperately want all men. Like, no. We, no, we don't. Fact, <laughs> nope. No, we don't. My whole phase was consisted of uh, me trying to seek validation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, to, I am being very sincere that like, like 90% at least of my sexual encounters are I want to feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. So let me find someone. I just spent 20, what was it, 20 when did I come out? In 2019? How old was I? I don't know. I was like 22 years or 23 years, whatever, of of um, not experiencing relationships, authentic ones, Yeah. not experience any sexual uh, like gratification or, or anything like that you like know pleasure pleasure to just release or or engagement <laughs> <laughs> encounter <laughs> um like nothing like that and then finally or kind of like say uh in high school i'm in a relationship with a girl mm -hmm. um there well, was no for you. there was no sexual yeah. um might as well have an imaginary friend yeah <laughs> We kind of did. <laughs> and like, they, they did. They had an imaginary boyfriend. This imaginary sometimes friend. it's important to have that in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like equal, like, affection and intimacy. Is like, sex isn't everything, but, like, it's, you know, yeah, that intimacy is important. Anyway, and, um, yeah, and then next thing you know, I come out and I'm like, you know what? Everyone's like, "Fuck me, fuck me behind the Seven Eleven in this in, in this um, 
like B and B this this like mobile toilet because <laughs> you're desperate for dick, right? Well, at that time I of course at that time we were because we didn't love ourselves. But um, in, <laughs> exactly, in theory, I cried a lot, a lot, <laughs> and um, I also hooked up a lot. Yes, and at, at the same time, here's the thing. Here's okay. I stepped down off of one soapbox and immediately stepped onto the other. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't even think I stepped down. The floor is lava. Yeah. We're at this point. <laughs> I just went from one to the other. <laughs> I say to this day that um, my lack of self-worth and basically the belief that I only could find validation through other men having sex with me is the reason that I am HIV positive. And I say that because, yes, of course, the responsibility is still on me to um, use protection, to, you know, choose partners, blah, 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 all of that. I know. When you're in that state, you don't think about... You don't care about you yourself. Care. I remember going to some hookup with some old guy in some motel... And letting him fuck me and just laying there thinking, maybe I'll catch something and then I'll just die. And I did. <laughs> I mean, I didn't die, but I did catch something and I almost died. Because that's what I thought I was worth. Mm -hmm. Like, like it wasn't some random chance encounter. It wasn't that, like, some heated, like, I went to a club and we had this connection and we just, like, went to the bathroom and fucked and forgot to use protection because we were in the moment. Like, that happens. Of course it happens. That wasn't what it was. I did not think I deserved... I did not think I deserved the... the, the self. Yeah, the <laughs> basic human decency enough to, like, use protection. Uh, using protection is a form of self-worth, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I did not think that I deserved that. I did not have enough self-worth to believe that I deserved to live a life that without those complications. Now I'm doing great on meds, undetectable, living my best life. No, I mean, no, not living my best well, life. Well, calm down there. In that one <laughs> slice of time, <laughs> my situation is as good as it can be. Calm down there, Patsy <laughs> Klein. <laughs> here's my book on how to live your best life. Um uh, but yeah, so it's it's not just like people talk about like hoe phases and like, oh, well, you just went through your hoe phase. Oh, you'll get over. It's like, well, I would say I, I don't want to speak for everybody on hoe phase and like how that like some people don't go through that yeah. after they come out. And that's some people go through it because that's that's validating. That, that's healthy for them. It make like yeah. they have self-worth and they're expressing themselves through sexuality. And that's, and that's beautiful. But that's not what it always is. No. It's a lot of it, well for us it was <laughs> it was it was no one loves me please do something that looked it, like yes, it was self sabotage yes it was self sabotage and abuse on ourselves well you know what it, <laughs> you want to get down to it let's get down to it that was basically for me was I didn't bring a condom <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get down to it I don't want to get down and dirty I want to get down to it. I want you to talk about the thing what I was talking about. <laughs> I'm a married man. <laughs> well, not really, but 
Even if you weren't <laughs> here in the studio. Well, I mean, okay, I guess. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm like, Aiden, we were just talking about... Right in front of my salad. <laughs> right in front of my salad. You know the reference. If you know the reference, contact me because we need to be... Toss friends. the salad. <laughs> um, oh, uh, God. No. What, <laughs> what I was going to say before you... Mom. You know how I asked the waiter to toss a salad? Toss That's my salad. Waiter to toss a salad for a reason. <laughs> I'm going to find that episode and get that clip and then just make that our everything. That was great. That was till to this day probably the funniest episode I've ever I lost, experienced. I lost it. I almost pissed myself. <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in a really long time. Um, anyways, can I please say the really yes, smart thing God. that I was getting ready to say? God, thank you. Oh, God, I'm trying to help these people. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> that view, when you are seeking out anything for that reason, it doesn't matter what substance or practice. Um, if, if you are, like, that is self-harm. If you are seeking out risky, unhealthy sexual encounters for a reason that is not beneficial to you. You are taking risks that you shouldn't take. You're not using protection. You're hooking up with people that you don't know and trust and aren't know for a fact are actually safe and that aren't going to assault you in any capacity. That is a form of self-harm. And I did not realize that. For many, 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 many years. I ended up at a meth house in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. I, and I just freely walked in. Like, I just didn't care. Like, I could stories, have died. <laughs> the stories. The stories. The trucks out in the middle of nowhere. God. Driving to, driving to somewhere up on some mountain at fucking 2 o'clock in the morning to suck off some guy for five minutes. and the, He could have chopped my head off with an axe. And then went out and did his skin ritual. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The, but I, that's... The fact that I'm still here and alive, it is it is a little terrifying to think about how many harmful situations I put myself in. Yeah. Just to try to... Because I was so desperate yeah. for approval and validation. Mm-hmm. So you want to give your newly out queer friends something? Give them validation. Tell them that they have worth. Help them to realize how valuable they are so they don't go searching for it in other places. You know? It's rough. And it doesn't help the situation at all. Mm-mm. And, and I'm, I am someone who I've, I firmly love and believe in sexuality. I think sexuality is incredible. I think that being... Being confident in your sexuality, being loving your body, participating in whatever you want to participate as long as it's legal and consensual. Do it, you know? Legal, ethic, legal, ethical, and consensual. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Explore your body. Like, bring, like, allow yourself to have pleasure and happiness mm-hmm. in whatever form that looks like. If that means gaming all day or going to a BDSM event, whatever it is, do it, but make sure it's what you're wanting. Maybe like whatever it is you're doing, 
think for a second. Am I self-sabotaging myself? Yeah. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Why am, am I, I doing this? Something? <laughs> am I running from something or to something? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Is the I, intention good? <laughs> I wonder, I, you know, I wonder how many, like, potential relationship opportunities I missed because I was so focused on only getting validation through, you know, sexual I missed a, I mean, I, I missed a lot. Or how many people I just never even encountered because I only would pay attention to people who, you know, were, were like scratching that itch as opposed to actually valuing me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I had this thing where during my hope phase where um, I would turn down actual good men that wanted to like you know get to know me more and I would just turn them down and then I would try to get in a relationship that doesn't work out with an abusive man Mm -hmm. and not understand why that's wrong yeah it's not like you're doing it hoping it'll change or whatever you're like you're not walking into it eyes wide open Mm -hmm. you genuinely think that's what love looks like Mm -hmm. you think that that's what acceptance looks like and so that's what you go for. You go for what you think is actually love. And then it's not till years later you realize it wasn't, you know? Yeah. We're a little messed up. We're fucked up. <laughs> we are truly fucked. We got issues. We got, we got issues. We got a lot of issues. Uh, I tell you what. I don't, I don't know. What, and now after this, I feel like I need more therapy. Oh, <laughs> this isn't... This is, yeah, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is really revealing too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said too much. I've said too much. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Well, yeah, I hope my next life isn't so hard. <laughs> I hope I've figured out some things. You know, like I, I, it's, I feel like this one's. I'm really working out the tough stuff. You know, like I'm taking on the the, the hard work. Next life's got to be like easy, right? The next one's got to be much more enjoyable. Maybe it'll be like a nice raven to like. <sighs> Just eats worms and has a nice family and that'd be nice. I would enjoy that. Chills and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that'd be that would that would be good. I didn't. I wouldn't enjoy being a raven for sure. I don't know. Or a toad. <laughs> Why do you want to be a toad? They seem chill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It's a lot of, it's just, just, it's a lot of work, you know? It's just, it's a lot of work (laughs) to just be yourself, you know? It is. Uh, Well, not for everybody. Let's be honest. Some people can, they're, have a wonderful parent, and I'm not jealous. I am, actually. (laughs) I started off, I'm not jealous. But you are. Um, But it's good. It's good that people have that structure and people have parents who actually support their authenticity yeah. yeah, and care about yeah. I, people who have parents how people wonderful are, yeah. how wonderful for them <laughs> oh, yeah. great I know. that's nice I remember one time specifically uh, working at a grocery store and this uh, this tells you how fucked up I am but there was a a man and um, a younger man and I'm like wow he seems a bit old but like you know good for you whatever as long as you're of age and whatever, mm-hmm. and consensual and wasn't groomed. <laughs> exactly. um, you know, those little things. Those little 
then like go for it. Yay, oh, they're a cute couple. And then all of a sudden his wife comes around the corner and it was his son. And I'm like, but he was touched like he was like physically giving showing him affection. Mm-hmm. And in my brain, that's not a thing for for a dad and that's, a son. And, yeah. But it is. Yeah. And I I was yeah. literally so confused. And then of course my brain goes to, oh my God, is he safe? Is he okay? And it's like yeah, he probably is. Yeah. He's not showing signs of like retreating or anything. No. He's actually like fine. Yeah. And like that's, a, that's how it's actually supposed to be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, people are supposed to be able to have affection, you know? I literally thought it was a relationship between yeah. a young man and an older man. Because I, I don't know if you experienced this in church there isn't such thing as deep friendships or affection. There's not intimacy. There's nothing and marriage. And that's it. Yeah. There's not like intimate like that, that's why I wish that there's, like, I recently, be, like, super authentic. I mean, super, not authentic, open, whatever, vulnerable. But, like, I've recently come across, like, some K-pop bands, which is not something I ever thought that I would enjoy, <laughs> like, music. But a lot of the, now a lot of their, like, different K-pop bands, like, uh, reels come up on my Instagram when I'm swiping through. And... There's a lot of just intimacy between them. Not sexual. They're just comfortable. Like if one's tired, they lay their head on the other's lap. If they're, you know, like they're sh- if they're sharing space, they're hugging each other or laying on each other or they're, you know, like being affectionate, complimenting them. You know, like your eyes look beautiful today or like fixing their hair or just being intimate. Mm-hmm. And it's not sexual. It's not weird. They're not in a relationship. That's just how it is. And to me, that is baffling i can't imagine that level of intimacy with anyone you know that is not what we were taught to believe like like there's just like if you are showing me any kind of attention you must want something from me if you must want sex or something from me because there's Mm. no other reason that you would be showing me any kind of attention or affection yeah i've had like um you ever have like the those like heterosexual men who like who know you're gay and they're just kind of like they're they don't care and they're very like physically like affectionate like Mm -hmm. they'll pat you on the back or whatever and like like there's no like awkward weirdness with and i'm like those walls kind of go up and you're like should i be accepting this (laughs) i'm waiting for them to like are you gonna assault me are you gonna turn on me if i if i do something that's a little too gay do you actually just want me to suck your dick in the closet when your wife's not home? Yeah, all <laughs> these dumbass thoughts. It's, it's impossible that you could just like me and be comfortable with who I am and want to show me affection for no reason except that you enjoy my company. That's impossible. Yeah. That can't be. But on the flip side of that, when those walls do start to come down, I mean, like... I had a, a friend guy that can like like rub my back like be nice and like oh I'm you know rub my back or touch my arm in an affectionate way that doesn't mean anything. I, you can fucking bring me to tears. I'm almost like done. I'm like like I'm falling apart just from that <laughs> yeah. simple act of like intimacy that doesn't mean anything or have anything attached to it. Yeah, just humanity at its core. Just humanity at its core. I'm like a mess, a puddle. Mm-hmm. You know? I had a friend who uh a a straight friend. I was in the closet back then. But um like we were really good friends and we were at renowned and have like a physical, you know, affection. Mm-hmm. But it was like there was no like 
Let's expectations. Fuck. Yeah, there's no expectations. No expectations. I. It was healthy. <laughs> I crave that. Yeah. I crave that, and I genuinely think that that's how people are supposed to be. I think that people are so like I. I think that friends should be affectionate and intimate with each other. I don't think it should be weird to like to quote unquote cuddle and because cuddle means so many different things for so many different people but like <clears throat> you're at a friend's house and you're watching a movie like getting comfortable and cuddling up with them under a blanket should be the normal thing to do the normal thing to do that should be a normal you know you you give someone a really big hug and a long hug and you just show them affection for a minute that should be a normal thing to do laying your head on somebody's shoulder or lap um because you're just comfortable with them and you want to like that should be a normal thing to do like intimacy should be normal Kit Harrington is his name from Heartstopper the bi guy that had to come out on Twitter. well that came out of nowhere well you know it's when my brain got <laughs> you know <laughs> they've been working on it this whole time I'm pretty sure it's Kit Harrington I'm I know it's Kit but I'm pretty sure it's well Harrington. thanks so much for sharing that you're welcome had to, you know, I was so else. worried. I know you were. That's why I'm telling you. Because Thanks. I care about you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that so in this in this in this book, the book that I was talking about, CPTSD from Surviving to Thriving, it talks about the ways to like heal from trauma. And <clears throat> that kind of affection, they were talking about how even a relationship between an owner and their pet getting like people with severe trauma having a pet and being able to like sometimes uh, the relationship with a pet that you care about can actually be like a step towards healing from um from like abuse and damage relation specifically through a relationship and that can like help you to learn how to once again and so being intimate with people having affection being affectionate with people that you care and trust that is genuinely a form of healing Mm-hmm. And if something's if something is so power if something so simple like affection and intimacy can heal trauma, shouldn't that just be how we are? Like if it's that powerful, shouldn't it just be a part of daily life? You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying? Yeah, I know it's very much like a Western society. You know, is just so very yeah not. They do not promote intimacy in healthy ways at all. No. Everything sexualized. Everything. Mm-hmm. Other like other cultures, they they don't experience what we <laughs> no. like. They actually are very physically affectionate. Like like one of the um, uh, dances known in the uh, Arab community is literally guys holding hands, men holding hands and dancing in a circle, and and it's a beautiful dance. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have a physical affection towards it for each other mm-hmm. that's healthy. And, like... Yes. That's one of the things, again, with all of, this, all of these K-pop bands coming up on my Instagram real feed now. Just seeing them, like, existing in their daily lives. And I don't know how much of it's real. Because, you know, 100% of their life is being filmed. But still, like, they are more intimate on camera in, like, a healthy, non-sexual way than... Every man I know is behind closed doors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. They're 
like intimacy is just and and I think that that creates deeper relationship. You can only go. Um, I was I almost said you can only go so deep without being intimate. <laughs> <laughs> and that is true on many levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but relationships can genuinely only grow to a certain point without intimacy. You're only going to have a certain level of friendship without some kind of intimacy, you know? And that level it is totally appropriate for some friendships. Not every friendship has to have that level of intimacy or that type of intimacy. Sometimes conversation is very intimate, you know? Sometimes you're mm-hmm. really intimate with you know how much you share about someone or whether or not you let them in your house or what if you cook for them like there's different types of intimacy and different Mm -hmm. people are comfortable with different levels of intimacy but you know i think that intimacy in general especially that level is something that is supposed to be in our regular lives yeah and would heal and help a lot of people Mm -hmm. if that just became the norm and was the norm for a lot of people when I see a man who's like okay being physically intimate with his friends, um, I automatically go, Oh, he had a father. He had yes. like, yeah. <laughs> he, he probably had a parents. Yeah. <laughs> he well, probably had a nice weird. dad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. Cause uh, healthy people are more comfortable with intimacy. They yeah. just are. They don't like healthy people don't sexualize everything. <laughs> yeah. People do not read in between the lines yeah. of things for for good or bad, for danger or safety. Right. Like, you don't have those warning signs at, at an all-time high. Could you imagine? No. I genuinely can't. I, I would love – see, one of, my, one of the things I want to do is somehow gaslight myself into thinking I'm so perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Oh. No, hold on. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Okay. Gaslight myself <laughs> into thinking I, I to have – abuse myself into thinking I'm healthy. Exactly. That's it. I want to do that. <laughs> But I, for some reason, it doesn't work. Yeah, it, that's kind of like um, that's kind of like when uh, people thought that leeches could pull impurities out of blood. I feel like that is similar to the tactic that you're trying to employ. So effective, not effective. <laughs> like, what are we, what are you talking? About? <laughs> did the leeches work? No, they <laughs> in fact did not. It made everything worse. Oh, blood does not heal. You do not impurities in blood do not come out of your body by letting the blood out. That's not how people heal. People heal by taking the appropriate medication or treatment for whatever they're going through, and gaslighting is the abuse that caused the problem. It's not part of the solution, sweetie. Sounds good. It sounds great. <laughs> sounds like super fun. <laughs> sounds super no, fun. No, but I think what you're talking about, I think what <laughs> I, I, I'm teasing you, but I understand what you're saying. It's kind of like a fake it till you make it, you know, yeah, concept. You, you know? tell yourself, I am comfortable with uh, myself. I like myself. I am a capable person. Um, you tell yourself the things that you want to be and who you are. And then you you start living the you start living the life you want to live, even though it's uncomfortable. See, and eventually well, there's a healthy side to that, but yeah, I want to do the about. the quick part where I just pretend. That's not how it works. <laughs> I just want to pretend and just that's denial. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about gaslighting and denial. You're you're wanting to get to you're wanting to get to authenticity, and I like want health and, and being healthy. Through gaslighting and denial. Isn't that something? No, it's... 
It's like jumping out of a plane to get to your destination. <laughs> like, Do I have a parachute? <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you need to cross the street, but instead you get into a plane and you fly up 10,000 feet, and then you drop, drop out of the plane to, to get across the street. You'll get there, but you'll be dead when you get there. That's you will have achieved what you set out to achieve. Sure did. You will be in that location. <laughs> you will in be what? in so many pieces. Yes, <laughs> so many pieces. All of you in different areas. You will be in multiple locations. <laughs> oh, bless it. You know, it's funny. We did that. Uh, we were closeted. At least I did. Yeah. Gaslit the book out of myself mm-hmm. with all the mm-hmm. being queer and and church and Jesus. and. Oh, if we could talk about all, all the, the oil I used. It, well, for multiple reasons. <laughs> some of it was anointed. Some of it was not. Some of it was anointed. anointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There were lots of prayers done. I was thinking about that just the other day. How I, how I worked so hard at not participating in those sinful acts. And then also how I justified so many of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know? at the like, same time. Yep, at the same time. There was so much gaslighting. So much gaslighting. So much. And self-sabotage. It's just, if you don't allow someone to be authentic and happy <coughs> and find what they want and who they are in a healthy way, there people are going, again, it's kind of that same thing, people are going to cross the street. If you help them to learn how to do that safely, they will. If not, they're going to jump in a plane and fly up 10,000 feet and then jump out and hope for the best. Like, people are going to get to their destination one way or another. And if you do not allow them to do that in a healthy way, they will do it in an unhealthy way. That's just how it is. Period. There's no way around it. There's no different. That is how life works. <laughs> you know, Like, people are going to end up where they want to go. They'll just do it either in a good way or a bad way. That's it. Well, on that note, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) I've had fun. We've said all we can say. We've done all we can do. (laughs) If you want to hear more of this nonsense, find us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Um, You can also follow our Instagram. It's our turn pod um, on Instagram. And it's our turn pod at gmail.com is our email. If you want to 